Coming up today, a lot to cover with Chuck Hazzy of Leisure Outdoor Adventures. Right now, he's in Wisconsin getting ready for the AIM National Championship. But we have to talk a little Leech Lake as well. And a little Twins while we're at it, too. And it's time to ask the aquatic biologist another tough question. We'll hear from Dr. Andy Hafes of the Bemidji State University Aquatic Biology Department. I got my fishing pool keys, tackle box in my hand. Gonna cast a few lines with my toes in the sand. Pulling in a big catch makes me feel like a man. But the wife, she just don't understand. I love walleye, perch, trout, and bass. And if you don't like fishing, you can kiss my four-stroke right in the back. Because the fishes all tremble at the thought of me when I'm fishing for bunyan country. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Wanted to check in with Chuck Hazzy, one of our regulars on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, and talk about Leech Lake fishing because he's an expert at that. But then I found out he's in Wisconsin. What are you doing in Wisconsin? I'm just out here having, you know, eating some cheese curds and uh, having a spotted cow beer once in a while. I, yeah, I gotta admit, they got some good beer and they definitely have good cheese in that state, so there's reasons. <laughs> definitely reasons. There's definitely no shortage of either. <laughs> But, I mean, uh, you know, a, a fisherman from, from Minnesota fishing in Wisconsin, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's a problem, isn't it? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I don't know what to feel about it, really. <laughs> we qualified for this tournament, but, I'm, you know, I'm not a, being a Minnesota sports fan, I'm not real big on Wisconsin, but <laughs> I can suck it up and do it for a week, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, so this is the AIM National Championship, correct? Correct. Okay. And you're out there trying to find the magic bite? I'm out here right now pulling uh, crankbaits through the through the trees. What this is is it's more of a, a reservoir, and uh, it's basically flooded timber everywhere you go. Okay. So the bait shops around here make, make lots of money on sinkers <laughs> and plain hooks and stuff like that that you lose every day. Okay. So where is this exactly? It's kind of like central Wisconsin. Um, for those who know where Winnebago is, I would say it's halfway between like Red Wing, Minnesota, and Winnebago, kind of in the central part of the state. Okay. Now, I, you know, in all seriousness, Wisconsin has a lot of great places to fish. There's no question about it. Oh, for sure. For sure. There's, there's lots of big bodies of water out here that have plenty of big walleyes and all kinds of stuff, just a little bit different Different fish in the water's dirty, um, lots of rough fish. I actually just caught a couple walleyes here a little bit ago, but they were mixed in with the sheephead and the carp and the catfish, and you kind of never know what you're going to catch. <laughs> so t- tell me about how you qualified for this. What, what was the process to, to get you into the national championship? Sure, yeah, this was the, the AIM series. Um, it's a series of four events that happen in Minnesota. Um, they also happen in North Dakota and in Wisconsin. And it's kind of a points deal. Um, if you qualify in the top 10 as far as teams from each state um, in points at the end of the year, um, or finish fifth or better at the national, or the, I'm sorry, the, the state championship, which was on Lake of the Woods last year, you qualify to fish the national championship. And it's, it's called the national championship, but it's really like more like a three state championship. 
of North Dakota, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. And then each year, the championship is held the following spring um, in one of the three states. So last year it was on Mille Lacs. The year before that it was on the Missouri River um, in Bismarck, Mandan. And this year it's on the Petenwell Flowage, um, which I believe the address is actually Arkdale, Wisconsin. Okay. And then you won the one on the Missouri River. Yeah, the one in North Dakota two years ago, uh, we did. Um, last year we didn't, or two years ago, I'm sorry, we did not qualify. And then last year we finished in second for team of the year, so we qualified to fish this one this, this spring. Okay. So um, so how it works, you've known quite a while that you would be on this, this yep. body of water. Correct. Yep, they announced it. Uh, I believe it was in January is when they announced where it would be. We knew it was going to be in Wisconsin. Um, I had heard the original plan was for it to be on Green Bay, uh, but there was some some conflicts with the NWT tournament that was just there, and there's actually a a closed season as far as aim rules are concerned. You can't fish the body of water for the championship until the week prior. So. There was actually a closed season. They they allowed us to pre-fish starting yesterday. So that's where we've been. We got here Sunday and got settled in and hit the water bright and early, spent all day out here trying to learn this system. Really, we don't have a lot of knowledge on it, so it's a lot of trial and error. So what do you do uh, in the meantime when you found out where this was? I mean, do you, I, I'm assuming you hop on the Internet, you do as much research as you can before you get there. Yep, yep. And that's that's normally, I mean, that's pretty much what everyone does. The, the guys from Wisconsin that qualified have probably been here before. Um, I know a lot of us from Minnesota, we'd heard of it before, but there wasn't a lot of knowledge or people who actually had experience on it. So, yeah, a lot of Google searches. There isn't there isn't a whole lot out there on here. A um, couple ice fishing YouTube shows and. I think Larry Smith Outdoors had a TV show out here, but that was end of July, I think, when he shot that. So it's a we're fishing a lot of unknown water right now. Okay. So when you and I'm just curious, is because you've done a lot of tournaments, you've done this a lot. When you hit the water, I mean, what's the main thing you're trying to do that first day? Um, a lot of driving, a lot of watching the electronics. Um, just a, a lot of covering area, and most of the time what it comes down to is eliminating dead water. So I would say 75% of the time, like we'll be here all week, 75 to 80% of our time roughly, I'd say, is just eliminating areas that don't look right. You're not seeing fish on the grass. They're too deep. They're too shallow. They're not the right fish. You might be catching walleyes, but with aim, the aim format is you take your top five biggest fish of each day because it is a catch and release. So a lot of times you might be catching fish, but they're not the right fish. Um, so a lot of eliminating. Um, and then from there, when you are fishing, it's, you know, what, what do they want? Do they want a crankbait? Do they want a minnow? Do they want a night crawler? Uh, the fish here seem to be, when you find them, they'll pretty much eat whatever you put down there. Um, 
we found a few fish, but so far, not the not the right ones we're looking for. Yeah, that's the uh, the great thing about the uh, catch and release. I mean, uh, you don't have to worry about slot fish. It's just get the big ones. Correct. Correct. Yeah, there. I mean, there's there's a slot out here, um, but slot rules do not apply. Um, take for example, next week there is an aim tournament on Malax. So, I mean, you can keep one fish out there with with that protected slot. But aim format rules, it's catch photo release, so the slot really doesn't apply uh, to the tournament. And aim was one of the first to do that format. The aim, you know, the uh, catch photo and release. Yep. Uh, now everybody's doing it. Of course, a lot of that had was pandemic related, but I think also it's probably going to take hold just because it's better for fish. Correct. Yep. Yep, the fish is is unharmed. I mean, there there can be obviously some harm due to a fish just from catching it alone if the water's real hot. Um, but I mean, the majority of the fish they're not they're not drug around in your live well and brought to a stage and weighed in and then released. They're you catch them, you put them on the on the board, you take a picture of them. However, you can get the longest measurement out of them. Take a a hero shot, which what they say is hold the fish up and you get one last picture of the fish with you holding it and it goes back in the water okay and uh when is the actual tournament the tournament is friday saturday okay so two days for the national championship yep two days most of the events are just a one day uh lake of the woods last year the state championship that's a two day and then the national championship is a two day all right well, uh, we wish you the best of luck on that. Uh, and who, who's your partner again? Uh, Randy Topper. He's he's a local guide from uh, Grand Rapids, but I've been fishing fishing the AIM format with him for, I believe this is our fourth or fifth year now. Okay. Well, prior to that, uh, how have things been on Leech Lake this year? It had been good. Um, we had some wacky weather, which you oftentimes do in May. It would be sunny and flat and the next day it would be rainy and windy and um you kind of had to adjust a little bit to those conditions uh but the bite was good uh we saw lots and lots of boat traffic opening weekend um once that slowed down a little bit the the fish seemed to cooperate a little bit better um and by the time i left on uh let's see the last day i fished leech would have been friday um it was it was starting to get pretty good, and now I've even talked to a couple guys back home, who it sounds like it's it's really good now. The the fish have slowly migrated to a lot of the areas they are typically the end of May or early June, and uh, you can catch them on minnows, leeches, crawlers. It it all seems to be working to some extent. All right. Um... Has it been a little odd, or has it been pretty much as you would have anticipated this year? You know, with the early ice out, I, I thought we might have been a little further advanced into the spring as far as locations where the the fish are and, and what they want to eat. But I think it was just kind of a long, drawn-out spring process to where the, the water really didn't warm up like we thought it was going to. So it was a pretty typical opener for the most part jigging a minnow um shallow areas close to where they had spawned um and even that next following week or so they they hadn't really moved far from those areas we 
we did start catching fish on night crawlers and leeches, um, but you could still catch them on a jig in a minnow. I would, I would say it was about right on schedule. We're going to be in the 90s by the weekend. What's that going to do? <laughs> well, it's uh, it's going to provide for some sunscreen sales, and uh, people can bust out the shorts again. I think we finally made it through. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's gonna it's gonna warm up the water temps, which is gonna kind of speed things up a little bit. But it is June now, so it's it's time for that to happen. I know I'm 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 ready for warmer weather and you know, to get out of the, the cooler spring. So, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bring lots of water and sunscreen and try everything you would. Normally in June or early July, it, it's all going to start happening here soon. What have you heard from your buds out uh, fishing for bass? Um, bass, actually, it sounds like it was a little tough um, the last week or so here. Uh, we were seeing quite a few while we were pan fishing before walleye season started, um, but they were just kind of in the shallows. They hadn't spawned yet. Um, I think what happened was is we probably hit, you know, right that spawning, that actual spawn time um, on opener. And, uh, you know, some guys caught a few. It doesn't sound like overall it was great, but now with this warm weather, that I would think that's going to speed things up. Um, have you had a chance to be over on Cass yet this year? I have not. No, um, I did hear Cass was really good. Actually, one of the better lakes in the of the big three of Leech, Winnie, and Cass. It sounded like Cass was actually maybe a little bit better than the other two on opening weekend and through that next week. Um, but I have not personally been there yet this spring. Uh, when I get back, I do know I have a couple trips coming up out there, so I might have to go investigate a little bit. Chuck Hansey from Leisure Outdoor Adventures, my guest. Much more to come with Chuck as the show wears on. But up next, the aquatic biologist is going to school us on schools. You're listening to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Ask the aquatic It is time to once again ask the aquatic biologist a very tough question. I thought this was a great one. We see the geese flying. They're in a V pattern. I presume there's a reason for that. And uh, Natasha wanted to know, when fish are in schools, do they have any kind of hierarchy or different roles like those geese in the V pattern? So one of the benefits of the fish schooling and swimming and synchrony like that is for the hydrodynamic benefit, right, energetic benefits. And so I think they take turns leading, right, and... I don't necessarily know about the hierarchy within that school, but fish do establish hierarchies. Right? There's been research that has shown, in particular on salmonids, and for those of you that are trout fishermen out there, you'll understand this a great deal, right? If you're out trout fishing and as an angler and you, you're surveying the landscape and deciding where to cast that fly based upon what you think is the best habitat, fish do that same thing, right? They're... And so your skill as an angler depends on how well you can match up that hierarchy with uh, what's really happening under the water. But under the water, it's actually been shown in the laboratory that the most profitable position, the best habitat, will be housed or will house the the biggest, baddest fish, right? That, that, there's been some classic papers on Salmanas that have actually demonstrated that. 
And so you can imagine being a newcomer coming up into the stream that's migrated in there. They're going to go and check out these great spots. And if there's already a fish in there, they've either got to kick that fish out or and take its position or keep moving. Right? And so they, they do establish hierarchies like that, behind the boulders, right, where you'd think they'd be, right? There should be the biggest, baddest fish there. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. Um, so you mentioned the energy of being in a school. Um, explain that to us. Well, when they're in the front, right, they're taking the brunt of that and cutting through the, the water. And it's it might even be more important in water than in the air for the geese um, because water is so dense and so viscous and things like that, right? So if you're swimming in the front of the school, you're taking the brunt of that friction and that force that is needed to separate the water, whereas if you're right behind that fish in the curtails, right, you can... Uh, just kind of coast along a little easier. But that fish that's in the front, just like the geese that's in the front, is going to get tired and going to have to change out positions. One thing that's a little different with the fish is that oftentimes when they're schooling up like that, they're being chased by predators, not just trying to fly north or south, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, that throws a little, I guess, wrench into that equation. It's uh, it's interesting. I, you know, you always know fish are in schools. Never occurred to me to ask why. Uh, yeah. But uh, there's obviously great biological benefit to it. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's one of the big ones in the open ocean and open water is that the predation. It's very difficult for a predator to pick out one individual fish in a shiny mirror of millions of fish, right? right. So, uh, in fact, the coolest video that I show in relation to schools and predation, I think, in my classes is this one of a swordfish and the reason the sword is actually developed is to separate one fish out of that school. It'll slash so it can isolate one. And once it isolates one, then it can cue in on it and really grab it. When they're okay. in a school flashing, it's very difficult. So. Okay, wow. See, I thought the, 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 everything I know about schools of fish, I learned from the big talking millions of fish and finding Dory. <laughs> Not finding Nemo. I think he was in both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, how much uh, how much true knowledge is in Fighting Nemo and or SpongeBob SquarePants? I've never seen SpongeBob, so I can't uh, say that. But well, you, uh, Finding Nemo is pretty good. They generally try to follow, you know, from what I have experienced in cartoons. <laughs> never knew I would go there on this show, but sure. Uh, they're pretty good about trying to stay fairly true, okay. fairly accurate. I uh, I would venture to say you would not have that same opinion of SpongeBob SquarePants if you were to watch that. Yeah. Just what you know that was one I watched when my kids were young, so it just kind of it's kind of a favorite, you know. <laughs> okay. I have good memories of watching SpongeBob with my kids. So I would say I'm going to try it, but I think that'd be a lie. <laughs> well, you don't know what you're missing. All right, Andy, thanks for your time today. We appreciate it. All right, thank you. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Chuck Hazzy of Leisure Outdoor Adventures, my guest. Chuck, let's get back to Leech Lake for a moment. Spent a lot of time there You've for much of your life. Um, you know, we had, uh, and we've talked about it ad nauseum on the air, about the, uh, the the turnaround of the of the fishery there several years ago. It seems to have really taken hold again and been very, very consistent. Have you seen anything that's got you concerned, or are you pretty happy with the way things are on Leech right now? From all of the fall sampling, the numbers seem to be where they want them to be. Um, we have had an increase in angling pressure uh, with the Canadian border being shut down. Um, the restrictions on Mille Lacs, I mean, this dates back to, to years now. Um, 
to where we're seeing a, a lot more fishermen, you know, driving the extra hour and a half that maybe would have fished Mille Lacs. They're, they're coming to Leech Lake just because they're allowed to keep more fish. So we are seeing increased pressure, um, but the numbers seem to show that we're, we're able to sustain that. So it, it's, Leech can be, it can be kind of funny. It, uh, at times it seems like there isn't a fish in the lake. <laughs> and then the next day someone flips the light switch on and, and they're everywhere. They're willing to bite. So it's tough to, to base it off of fishing. Um, I guess they base it more off of the, the science um, and the biology of the lake and, and fall test nets, things of that sort. So the numbers all seem to, to add up and, and show good things. So, um, you know, the fishing has is, is remained steady. Uh, so really we don't, there's no complaints right now. What, uh, what about, um, zebra mussels? I know they're in leech. Have you noticed any change as far as water clarity goes in that lake yet? Not yet. Um, it seems, I mean, we've, they found the juveniles a a couple, two, three years ago. You're starting to hear of people now that are pulling their docks in the fall or a sailboat that has some on it. I haven't noticed it. I mean, it's nowhere near the extent, you know, that they are on Cass or Winnie. Um, but we haven't seen much of an impact yet. They've, they've kind of got a slow start, but I would, I would expect over the next few years that slowly, you know, the water, the water clarity will improve. Um, and, and you'll start seeing more and more of them. But to this point yet, we haven't had much of an effect at all. Uh, one of the things the uh, the late great Ken Bresley used to say to me was it was a, it was always a chamber of commerce bite. They were biting in the middle of the day, and that's that's the th- concern when you get clearer water is that that nice middle of the day bite goes away. Yep, and what it, it'll do is it, it'll change how you have to fish. Mm-hmm. Um, Cast Lake years ago in areas where. You know, say this time of year, right now in June, you might catch fish in nine to fifteen feet of water. You might you might have to fish them in twenty to twenty five feet now because of that clarity. Um, walleyes, especially pressured walleyes, are are really spooky. They're they're extremely sensitive to light, sounds, even sonar. You know, I think has an effect on them at some point, and so the less light you know, the, the more apt they might be to bite. So as that water clears up, it, it probably will just change locations of the fish and not necessarily affect the actual fish. But being able to adapt will will kind of make make or break your, your day of fishing. Yeah, it seems, at least from what I've been able to gather so far, um, and we don't know what's going to happen 20 years from now, but as of now, it seems to have affected the angler far more than it's affected the walleye. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep, I would agree with that 100%. I mean, you look at you look at areas such as Green Bay, Wisconsin, and actually what the zebra mussels did was it, it made the fishing better. It was extremely dirty dark, dingy water, um, once the water clarity started to increase, the fish actually used it more. And now we have big-time tournaments out there every spring, every summer. So it doesn't necessarily affect the fish, like I said. it's it, Like you say, it's going to affect the angler, 
and maybe locations where you catch those fish. All right. Um, as we, again, get into the 90-some degree weather and we'll soon be into the heart of June, that, that seems to be the time on a number of lakes. I know Lake Bemidji, June is like the best month of the year. The weather is usually better. Uh, the bite is really solid. Um, you know, they there's a couple of easier ways to get them. They'll be in the weeds. And uh, June is just a great month to go fishing. It's the best month. June, June or October in the in the fall when there's not a lot of boats out um you know those seem to be the two best months but the fish this time of year now through the fourth of july they've spawned they've done their thing they've recuperated and uh the metabolism is increasing a little bit and seems to provide a a lot more action uh as uh this is the first time we've talked to you this year any new products out there you're using that you're uh that you're high on right now um, yeah, actually, I am using, um, it's been out for, for a few years now, uh, the Garmin Live Scope, and uh, it has, it, there's a little bit of a learning curve anytime you go to a, to a new device. I mean, I guess that if I had to compare it, it would be if you're a Android guy switching to an iPhone or vice versa, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a learning curve. Um, things look just a little bit different. The format might be a little bit different. Um, but the new live scope technology, um, is really changing the way people fish. And now Lawrence has, has their own that will be out. There's, there's a few of those transducers coming out into the market now. It's been a little bit tough to get. Um, Humminbird has their own live Im- imaging coming out. That seems to be in a little bit of a stall. They announced it last year, but it's not quite available yet. Um, but really what it is is it's it's almost looking at, like, ultrasound technology. You can see things happen live as it happens. Um, guys are watching fish eat their jig 60 feet, you know, in front of the boat. Um, so that that has changed the way... You know, people have fished as well. Um, but as far as that, there isn't there isn't really anything this year, I would say, that's super new and exciting. Um, I think after last year, things, lots of factories, you know, were shut down or, or operating at less capacity. So the, the technology or the advancements into the technology may have stalled a little bit. Um, but I would expect, you know, every year there's there's something new that seems to come out that changes the way people do things. Okay. Well, before we wrap it up, uh, we got to talk about the twins. Um, I knew you were going to ask. Well, I know, man. I mean, just uh, I got to commiserate with somebody. I'm just, I'm just, they're bumming me out, man, big time. It's it sounds better when you can say the twins are in third place in the division <laughs> and not last place because I think we finally crawled out of last place. We did, yes. <laughs> it's better. <laughs> it's been a little little bit disappointing, hasn't it? That uh, I don't know. Everyone seems to uh, instead of picked it up a notch from from last year, it's they've kind of been knocked down a notch and they dug themselves such a big hole. I mean, it's it's easy as an ex-ball player. It's, you know, you try to make up 10 games in one game instead of the cliched one one game at a time and at least 
they're not losing every series now, but if they can get it back to around 500, I guess they they still might have a, a chance to for a wild card or maybe maybe backdoor their way into the playoffs somehow. Yeah, they, there were there were people predicting them to go to the World Series this year. So, mm-hmm. it's, but I, I guess the thing I find so disappointing is uh, you know. Um, to use a fishing allegory, it's like all of a sudden, uh, you know, a guy who won national fishing championships like Chuck Hazy suddenly can't can't even uh, cast anymore. You know, that's it happens. <laughs> yeah, look at Chuck Knobloch; he couldn't throw from second base to first first base. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm, Just all of a sudden, yeah, it happens when the wheels come off; they can come off fast. Yeah. Well, it's it, it's at least we still we still have the wild though. Oh, wait. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> Well, we got fishing. We got fishing. We've got fishing. Correct. I'll still, you know, when you're out in a boat or you're, you know, out in your garden or whatever you're doing, uh, I, I still you know, having the twins on is still a thing I do, and uh, I, I think I always will. It's kind of summer in Minnesota, but yeah, when the expectations are high, I just I've been thinking about you a lot. All time. Well, I'm going to have to call Chuck because I got to get a twins report. Fortunately, I, you know. We've been fans long enough that it you just kind of roll with it. You know, <laughs> yeah. you try not to get too excited or too down, but you do. But yeah. as I get older, it, uh, it it it's not as painful anymore. I guess you could say. I agree. I agree. I mean, uh, I recall when the Vikings were in the Super Bowl when I was uh, you know a kid, and just I was just angry, angry for days. Now it's like, yeah, now it's, eh. Yep. (laughs) I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Well, and I think just missing the whole, you know, almost a whole year of major sporting events. um, I know personally, it it really bothered me at first that there was no sports, but then everyone kind of got used to it. And now that it's back, it's, I mean, I still watch, I still listen, I still follow the box scores, but it doesn't quite have that effect on my mood like it it may have in the past. Um, but maybe that'll change now that things are slowly getting back to normal. I suppose we'll get back to that point someday. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what can we do? We actually might be a, a mentally in better shape if we're not as, uh, you know, our <laughs> moods are not as determined by the twin success. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Chuck Hazzy is my guest from Leisure Outdoor Adventures. Hey, Chuck, if people want to book a trip with you or anybody at uh, Leisure Outdoor Adventures, how do we go about doing that? Sure, you can give us a call at 855-LOA-HOOK. Uh, you can go to our website, leisureoutdooradventures.com, or you can contact me directly on my cell if you want. That's 218-289-1383. And I know you guys have really expanded. You've got guys on a number of different lakes you didn't have before. You've got specialists on muskie and bass and, of course, you on walleye. So, I mean, there's a lot of options for whatever you want to fish for and often wherever you want to fish for them. We're up to, I believe, 10 or 11 guides now. We have two guys that are going to be just totally dedicated to vermilion for the next couple months. Um, we've got guys on Winnie. We've got guys in the in the uh, whitefish chain and malax leech you name it we can we can accommodate just about anything well listen uh, chuck i hope you have a great weekend i hope you guys have a find those big fish and wish you the best of luck this weekend thank you for taking time today really appreciate it 
Absolutely, anytime. Thank you. Great show to kick off a great week. we got a lot of good guests coming in this week. Tomorrow, as a matter of fact, we'll hear from Logan Jensen, a lumberjack tennis player, Nordic skier, and member of the Lumberjacks fishing team who has been recruited to Nordic ski and fish for college. We're going to hear from Isaiah Hahn as he gets ready for the muskie opener and Nate Blazing. Thursday, DNR Commissioner Sarah Strowman will take up the entire show. We had a great conversation with her a few weeks back. Finally going to get a chance to discuss fishing and everything else in the outdoors with the commissioner on Thursday. And Friday, another one from the Ministry of Muscaludge. Kevin Cochran will join us from Kevin Cochran's Guide Service. And we'll hear from Dick Beardsley. He'll get us ready for a weekend of fishing, too. It's all coming up this week on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. That's it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. Thank you for being here. F-I-S-H-I-I-N Paul Bunyan Country.